Welcome to Dream Chasers Radio, where we are always daring to be different. Get ready, get ready, get ready to be inspired. Let's get moving toward our goals. And here to make that happen is our host, Yaya Diamond. Oh, yes, we are daring to be different once again. Welcome. I hope you had a wonderful Memorial Day. And I want to salute all the uh, veterans, people who have given their lives to their country uh, to, and for the freedom of the people. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I lost my grandfather in the uh, in the war before I was born. His last tour, he 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 got um, he got killed. And so I never got to meet him. So I know the price of... Um, I know the price of losing someone, uh, but I also know the price he paid to free us all. So thank you so much, all of our veterans, for doing what you have done, doing what you're doing for this country. Thank you. Um, you're tuned in to Dream Chasers Radio with me, your host, Yaya Diamond, and I have a wonderful show for you today, but let's get the preliminaries out of the way. You're listening, you're listening to us <laughs> on uh, 97.5 FM, Community Radio, as well as Bombay Radio. Uh, in New York, and that is 97.5 FM Real Community Radio in Northport, Florida. Also, you're listening to us on my new radio station. That's WYBCRadio.com. Again, that's WYBCRadio.com. And you can go ahead and tune in to DreamChasersRadio.com and uh, click on the podcast if you want the podcast. And if you want the radio station, go ahead and click on radio. Um, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing, and we just administered it. And let me tell you something. It is definitely not easy, but definitely not hard. <laughs> so we have people on this show who have dreams, who have decided, they've made up their mind that they're going to go ahead and go through things. I, 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 I often bump into people who have, uh, depression or they're depressed, and I ask them, you know, one question, is the depression something you have chosen to do, or is it the depression is something that's maybe brought on by a situation or something like that? 99.9% of the time, the people tell me it's my choice. Just something to ponder. If you're choosing to do something, there's no one that can bring you out of it. You have to bring yourself out of it. You have to decide to come out of it. If it's the choice of the person to be in the depression, it could be the choice of the person to come out. And so that's a good thing. And, and I, you know, I, I love the choices that we have that we can make. And uh, nothing is going to stop you. Nothing is going to stop you. That's the name of the show today, Nothing is Going to Stop Me. And we have our first guest on the show today. I want to welcome you to the show. Please tell everybody who you are and what you do, please. Uh, it's up to me. Okay, I'm uh, Tom Corbett. Um, Hi. And <laughs> hello. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm uh, retired not that long ago from the University of Wisconsin in Madison, where uh, helped run a research institute and taught social policy for many years. I am now uh, very consistent with the uh, theme of the show. I'm going back to an early dream I had as a young man, which was to uh, mm-hmm. write books, and not just academic books, which I did as an academic, but fiction, memoirs, uh, things that uh, were always lurking in the back of my mind. 
And uh, now that I found some, found some time, I'm doing it. And it's been just a marvelous experience. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, your choice has been to do all these things. I mean, you know, okay, going from the one extreme to the other, you're retired now. But what was what was it like when you when you had to drop all the activities that you had for so long to go into a new chapter, a new a new era of your life? What was that like? What was the adjustment like? It, you know, it wasn't too uh, difficult. One of the things about being an academic uh, is that you have a, a lot of freedom over what you do. And uh, so I, I, I rather uh, drew away that life in stages. And so I gave up administration first and teaching. And then, and then I but still did some projects for a number of years. Um, and so it wasn't, it wasn't like cold turkey. It wasn't one day to, to the next. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I will tell you that you know the you know as I look back over the long course, long trajectory of my life, I I don't have any regrets. I, mean, I had a wonderful career, as I as I said when they had the party for me when I retired. I said, you know, right. I have the greatest job in the world. I got to fly around the country working on the most difficult of social problems and working with the smartest people. Uh, and uh, I you know, couldn't ask for anything more. But in the back of my mind was always this uh, doubt whether or not I, I had a, 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 I'd given up something uh, to pursue that the career I did choose. And uh, mm. now, I've, now I've had a chance to uh, go back and see if, and actually satisfy that itch, if you will, uh, somewhat. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and dealing with, okay, so dealing with the people on a one-on-one basis or even on a, on a basis of just psychology, what was the one thing that you found to be a consistent, you know, between everybody? You mean the people that I worked with? Uh, I'm not sure uh, yeah. I could understand that. Yeah, with, with your, what? you know, when you went out and you said you had to work for people, what would be that consistent that you found that you had to deal with overall uh, 99.9% of the time? <laughs> well, you know, I was involved in uh, – some of the most contentious uh, policy issues of the last half century, poverty, welfare mm. reform, uh, those kinds of things. And mm-hmm. you know, these were issues that uh, you could not come up with a position that would satisfy everybody. I mean, you were going to be disliked or hated by somebody, whatever position you took. So the, the trick was not to take it personally. And you know, mm. my, my mantra, if you will, was when no one likes what I'm saying, then I'm approaching the truth. I mean, that was, that was cutesy, but there was an element of truth in it. That, uh, right. Uh, and so I, what I often tried to do back then uh, is to look for common ground or look for ways to sort of bring people together because I, what I would find is uh, people would argue passionately from a, a point of view, and it wasn't that they were entirely wrong, but that they, they were missing the big picture. So I, I always tried to be kind of a big picture guy to get, as many people around the table as I could. Uh, didn't always work. I mean, I I was yelled at by the governor of our state for more than one time. <laughs> but, you know, you do your best and you take your shots. Yeah. And I work in Washington a lot, which is a which is a town that breeds, uh, you know, uh, contention, controversy, and vindictiveness. Uh, but even there, I found that you could 
yeah, you could talk to people. I mean, if you approach them with a little bit of humor, a little bit of respect, you could get some of that back. It wasn't going to break down the walls necessarily, but you didn't build the walls any higher. So mm. I don't know if that quite answers your question, but. Yes, it does actually. It doesn't. Okay. I mean, you know, as as a person who has dealt with all different kinds of things, you know, what you know, one would think that there would be a multitude of different problems and issues that you would have to deal with. But in all actuality, the issues are pretty common, and most people don't realize that you know, for every one person going through something, they think that it's unique to them. Someone else is going through something similar, right down the block. Oh yeah. I mean, I'll, I don't mind revealing something personal about myself. Uh, mid life, I, I went through a period where I, I had a battle, battle of alcoholism, and, I, and it pretty much almost did me in. Um, uh, and one of the things that I found when I finally uh, turned that ship around uh, was that I was not alone. I mean, <laughs> the things that I, I experienced were mm-hmm. very common among fellow uh, sufferers, if you will, and uh, and and but you but you lose that perspective when you're the one involved. You think, oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm in, I'm in the pit of hell and and doing and I'm experiencing something that no one can understand. But you know, you're really not. I mean, you're really just experiencing something that uh, you know millions of others have uh, as well. Mm-hmm. And that helps. That helps. It helps a lot to to uh, you know come to that insight. Right. It really does. It really does. And so now that you're doing what you love to do and you you have your your passion, you've you've gone ahead and you've picked up the one thing that, you know, kept kinda of always was lingering in the in the background. How did you do that and tell us about it? A little bit by accident. as I did most of the things in my life. Uh, but it, 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 it started um, uh, when I was in the Peace Corps in, in the 60s, and, and our group got together after 40 years of our return to the United States um, in, in 2009. And I never went to a reunion before. I, I thought they were silly, but I went to this one, and it turned out to be a very emotional experience. And at the end, we sort of, uh, a group of us said, you know, we, we, we ought to record some of our experiences. So we, we put together two volumes, um, one called The Other Side of the World, and the second was called Return to the Other Side of the World. Edited, you know, everyone, you know, uh, we, we, we work with people to write up their vignettes and their, their experiences. Uh, and that got me thinking, I want to write a, a memoir. And, uh, and that led to two personal memoirs. One was called Browsing Through My Candy Store, which was about my professional career. And then Ouch, Now I Remember, which was my personal memoir. They're both funny, but sad and insightful. I mean, they, you know, they, uh, browsing is a little more difficult because it's, it has a lot of policy stuff in it. Um, and in mm-hmm. fact, I'm, re- I'm republishing both of them right now. One's going to be called Confessions of a Wayward Academic, and the other one is going to be called you know, uh, Confessions of a Clueless Rebel. They're all rewritten, expanded, and even funnier and, and, and more, uh, I think, uh, insightful. But uh, and, and then I wrote another policy book just to get my some of my better thoughts out called The Boat Captain's Conundrum. And finally, after writing all that, I said, 
I really want to try fiction. And so last year I wrote two fictional books, Tenuous Tendrils, uh, which is kind of a space a little bit on my, my own life, just a little bit. I mean, kind of stuff inspired it, but I went off in a fictional direction uh, about the Vietnam War in the 60s, settlers that goes to Canada, uh, and then he's retiring from an academic position, you know, like 40 years later, and his whole life sort of comes back, and, and all the broken relationships and the doubts that he had throughout his life for the, for the road he took you know, it sort of he he sort of deals with them, so to speak, in over a one week period. Uh and uh the other one is Palpable Passions, uh, which uh is a story of two families, one in Afghanistan, one in the United States, very different, very different cultures. But uh they they intersect in two thousand one, uh during a, when uh, bin Laden strikes in the Panjshir Valley of northern Afghanistan. And it's a story of how they help one another uh, in, in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so both of the fictional books, if, there, if there's one thing that ties them together, it's the notion of culture, which is what I also studied a lot. It was in my academic career uh, and how it both binds us or provides impediments to us, but also opportunities. And um, uh, so that's kind of an underlying theme of, of these books. But again, there's a, I, you know, what, I, what, I, what I try to do is write, in a, uh, I try to craft books that are sort of well-paced but substantive. They have, you know, they have some deep, deeper thoughts in it. There's still a lot of humor uh, and drama mm-hmm. and, and so forth. It's like putting a symphony together. That's what I love about the process. That's what I love about doing it, irrespective of um, money or success or fame or whatever that might might come from it. It's the doing of it that really uh, is important to me. So it was kind of by accident, but once I got into it, I thought, boy, this is how I'm going to spend uh, my dotage, if if I might say so. Wow, wow. So, okay. So writing the the memoirs and then writing the the fiction, what correlation do you have between the two? Because obviously that's something within you. Did you find it to do the two um, to convert? Uh, good question. Good question. Um, in some ways, I found the memoirs um, a bit easier uh, because I didn't. I wasn't making it up. I was just, I, I was just digging into my memory uh, bank, and, and you know, there was still, there's still a lot of craft in telling the story in an interesting way. Uh, but again, I, I, you know, this material was was already there. Fiction, of course, mm-hmm. requires that you dig deep in your own imagination, and uh, and and that's that's a, a, a rather a different self. So, that's a, a somewhat of a different challenge, and uh, and for that, I found myself falling into a pattern, uh, if you will, where I would get to a point, um, uh, you know, and I I would go to bed, and, and then my mind, and as I began to drift off, relax, uh, then my mind would sort of play with some ideas about where to go 
text and either the scene or the dialogue or, or whatever. And I would mm-hmm. uh, play with that in different scenarios and kind of pick one and then worry that I would forget about it by morning time. But usually I would remember enough by the next morning that it would, it would give me a good start on, on the day's writings. Uh, but even now I'm writing a sequel to Capital Passions, uh, among mm. other things. And, and um, you know, I'm making, uh, I, you know, I, I have some really big decisions about what to do with certain characters. And again, you know, I mean, what you start out, I, maybe there are, people have different, I'm sure, techniques, and some are probably, you know, prepare outlines, you know, exactly how the book is going to end. Uh, but that's not me. It's never been me. Uh, you know, I, uh, I don't, you know, the characters change, and some become more important, some less important. Uh, some take on different attributes. Um, it's it's like an organic process. It's a, it's like a living thing until you. Until you finish mm-hmm. it, uh, so that just suits me very well. The, the whole process. I love yes, it. I, I absolutely love it. I love the way you kind of switch from the memoirs to the um, the passion that you had inside of you, you that you you all, you knew that you had. So you have uh, a few books on Kindle um, and paperback, and I'm on your page on Amazon Prime, and I see you have palpable passions. Tenuous tendrils, ouch! Now I remember um, the boat captain's conundrum. 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 Okay. Conundrum. Browsing through my candy store, and a few others, and I'm just I'm amazed at all. I mean, what did it take for you as a writer, as someone who, who, you know, your first book? Okay, let's go back to that first book. When you picked okay. up the pen or or you, you, you thought about writing your first book, what process did you go through and what have you changed since then to kind of tweak it? Uh, and it was a, there was a sharp difference between everything I did previous. I mean, I had a couple of academic books in the, in the Peace Corps books that were prior to that, but I considered browsing my first sort of, you know, okay. you know mm-hmm. of, of the current generation of books, the, the, the first one. And, and um, I, you know, all I can tell you is what happened. I, I, I sat down. I wasn't quite sure uh, whether uh, exactly what kind of memoir I wanted to write. I wrote about three chapters and gave it to a colleague of mine, an economics professor at the university, and he sat down and critiqued it. And I said to I said, you know, he's right. You know, I, I haven't decided what I want to do. And so I kind of scrapped that. And I and I decided um, that I would focus on my professional career uh, for the first one. Mm-hmm. Once I did that, then it flowed. And I and I and I think uh, and it was just a question of getting the you know sort of getting sort of uh, the focus right. And mm-hmm. and then uh, it didn't take long to get a first draft out. At all, I mean, uh, it, you know, I, I, it was almost like I couldn't type fast enough. Uh, okay. But then, of course, it takes a long time to uh, go back and rewrite, edit, and you know, refine it. But the first draft came, you know, very quickly. Uh, and then I went back and said, "Well, now I I've done that part, and I have to go back and now and do my personal life, which really goes back and like like it covers a." a, a Again, a, a fairly broad range, and it does touch a little bit on my professional life, but it 
spends a lot more time on my early years and, you know, growing up in this working class, rough and tumble neighborhood as a kid who had, you know, anyone who looked at me thought, this kid's going nowhere, you know, I mean, he has no prospects whatsoever. Uh, I was even put in the slow class in, in, in grammar school. So, you know, and I talk about coming out of this culture, this Catholic working class ethnic culture, and then just uh, transforming, changing uh, into a whole bunch of experiences. And uh, it's a little bit about transformation and realizing oneself and finding one's own way. A little bit also about the times we lived in, because uh, frankly, being a policy expert, I'm well aware that there were actually more opportunities for, for kids like me back in the 60s, 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. as little that my parents had. I mean, you know, as a kid, we didn't have central heating, we didn't have a car, we didn't have a, even a refrigerator, we had an icebox. I mean, you know, all the, you know, we had no amenities. But still, mm-hmm. I, could, I still had an opportunity to work myself through a private college, pretty much, with, you mm-hmm. know, working and uh, and uh, all the way through eventually a PhD and the whole thing. So upward mobility was distinctly possible. You know, and I, I would look out over my classes at the University of Wisconsin and I would see these kids totally burdened with anxiety and debt. And I was thinking, wow, was I lucky to, to grow up in the, in the era that I, that I did. So, um, so I, I talk about some of, the, some of the structural things, but mostly it's the personal journey. And uh, and I tell them in a very funny way. You know, if you if you if you can't laugh at least three times a page, you know, you you have no sense of humor whatsoever. So, it's, uh, but but some of the, the early uh, viewers, you know, did note that it, it was not only funny, but it had a lot of what they call intellectual gravitas. It did have a lot of insights in, in, into the human condition and uh, in society and, and so forth. But I try to present those things in a humorous package so that the reader does not fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Wow. You know, it is amazing to me that all this can come from inside of you when you think about it. Obviously, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm holding you back a little bit, you know, on on the time, but. <laughs> When you think about okay. all this being inside of you coming out and being on paper, does it fascinate you? Does it kind of set you back a little bit going, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that I did this? Well, I don't know. I mean, I was always uh, – I, I was kind of – I was good as a teacher. I was entertaining people like me. People always I, – I, I was – you know, I was always – I think um, I was always able to tell jokes or keep people laughing a little bit. And I could tell mm-hmm. stories very well. Uh, so I, I knew I had that talent. It was just something that was in me. But I think that, yeah, I think in part, I sense I did have an innate gift. Maybe uh, I, I kind of attributed it to my father who just worked in a factory, but he was kind of a good storyteller himself. Uh, in, in a gift to do two things, to take disparate issues and events and pull them together and then be able to communicate well, to tell, tell a good story. And that, those were, I think, my strengths. And I finally got, now, now I have an opportunity. So one of the things, I, I wrote you know, a lot of academic papers and policy papers, and, you know, they were good, and they were, I was always known as a great writer, 
but uh, mm. the usual boring stuff. Now I can write the way I want to write, and that's that's the liberation uh, of it, of of I the whole thing. It. I'll just tell you one one quick story. I I, mm-hmm. I I still remember when I was in college, I met my English professor in 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 the lunch line, whatever, and I said, you know, someday I want to be a writer. He <laughs> probably heard that like a million times. You know, he kind of rolled his eyes back, but but he said something I never forgot. He said, "Can you tell a good story?" That was the only thing he said to me. Can you tell a good story? And I thought, I don't know. Uh, so, you know, 50 years later or whatever, I've now convinced myself that I can tell a good story. Answer well, that question you know, finally. That is important. That is important. Wow. Wow. Well, where can people reach you? I mean, if they want to contact you or purchase your, your, your book or books, what can they do? Well, Amazon.com is the uh, – uh, is the Oh, Barnes and Noble dot com. Uh, they're all they, that's the best place to go to get the books. Um, you know, my email is Corbett C O R B E T T I R P at AOL dot com. Uh, and if they want to have a question or I can give more more details uh, okay. um, on that. And uh, there's uh, you know, uh, so that's that's how they can they can proceed. Awesome. Well, we put up the link to Amazon, and I did find your your page. Let me ask you one more question. I know it's kind of funny, but did you know that you have the same name as one of the senators of the United States of America? Do you ever get confused with that person? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, he used to be governor of Pennsylvania, I think. Uh, Pennsylvania. Tom Corbett. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I, I used to when I used to Google my name. I used to come up on the first page, and then when he when he became a big public figure, <laughs> he came up on the he would come up first. I got pretty upset with that. And a friend of mine was driving through Pennsylvania when he was running for governor, and they said they they it was really they really were tempted to steal a sign for me, but they they thought they'd get caught. Anyways, he turned out to be one of the most unpopular governors in the, in the history of the state. So I don't want to get too close to the man. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for doing what you do, writing the book, and being an example of, of you know, life doesn't end just because you retire, you know, um, and, and and just being an example. And your wife, uh, I'm, I'm sure that she's so proud of you, you know, and just and being, and being that steady figure. Well, uh, it's been a great life. And it's not over, and I have more to write. So I look forward to uh, publishing. You know, I, I'm hoping to have another maybe 10 years, uh, 10 good years left, uh, uh, and looking forward to it. Good. I hope you have more than that. Yeah, uh, thank so. you so much for being on this. Is there anyone well, or anything you. you'd like to say? Is there anything or anyone that uh, you'd like to thank or something we didn't cover? Oh. Uh, not really that I can think of at the moment. As soon as we get off the air, I'll say, oh, my God, I should have done this. But, you know, uh, no, I'm, I, I'm good. It's been a very nice interview, and you're a good host, and I want to thank you very much. Oh. And thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. And when you write your next okay. book, you have to come back on and tell us about it. Absolutely. All right. All right. <laughs> you take care. All right. Yep. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for calling Dear Chasers Radio. 
Greetings in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is Pastor Don Jr., CEO of the Entertainment Worldwide Network, based in St. Las Vegas. How you doing, Sister Yaya? I'm doing well. How are you? Working hard, working hard. It's like my second or third time coming on your show. Do you remember us being here before, me and the winning team? I, yes, I do, I do, and I do. Yes. So hey, how's everything going? Hey, Tell us about it. Well, everything's been going really well. We just inked a deal with the NCAA to uh, to bring kids from third world countries to get scholarships to uh, play athletic sports. And um, we've been working the tour. The tour is going real well. We helping Judge Joe Brown get back on TV. Um, it's just a lot of uh, it's a lot of positive results that's coming out of the, uh, the winning team. There's a lot of new members that's come on. And they're bringing uh, new stuff. We got a, a major event going on July the 4th in uh, Backstrap, Louisiana. Um, it's a benefit concert for somebody who lost a, uh, their brother to senseless gun violence. So we're working with the, uh, the leaders all across America, making sure everybody's on the same page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell me, okay, so tell me more about this. Tell me more about what's going on with this, this event. Well, um, well, you know, and Louisiana is one of those rural areas where it's a lot of people that everybody's fighting for this to to perform at the same club. Well, one of the guys that was really well-known, very popular, real stand-up guy, he was like the go-to guy to get everybody in the barbershop. He just got caught in the midst of some stuff that didn't even have anything to do with him. You know, he was passing through, selling his stuff like he do in the barbershop. But, you know, every barbershop got somebody to come in there and sell everything. I mean, that's everywhere in America. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, that's yeah. like going to the club. and you're, There's the flower guy. Every time you see him in the club, he's suited and booted. He'll sell your rolls for ten dollars. If you ain't got the ten, you got five. He'll still hook you up. You know, so the the whole point is, um, our guy, you know, he got gunned down with senseless violence. So we're doing a commemoration on the fourth uh, of July because his birthday is actually the fifth of July, and he had got he had got murdered not too long ago. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's one of the members. We 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 we're pushing that, and uh, you know, we're keeping everything positive. At, at the same time, we're making sure that uh. We're working together to be effective to change the negatives and the positives. That's why uh, I, I tell all my winning team members to come on radio broadcasts like this, find out what's going on in the world, and um, you know, tell your story and let let it be heard. Oh, definitely, definitely. So, okay, so now when people think about your radio, your 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 company, when people talk about your company, what what can they expect from your company, and what does your company actually do? Uh, I see that you do a lot of outreach, but what do exactly do you do? Well, the biggest thing we do is education. We believe in preparation prepares you for success. Uh, I've been in the industry for over 20 years, and I've consulted thousands of people. I've been a part of uh, multi-million dollar projects, and my biggest thing now with the Internet changing the playing field of the entertainment industry is all about education. Um, back in the day, there were gatekeepers. You had to go to the DJ. Now, at 9 o'clock, somebody can drop a record. At 9 on 1, it could be the hottest thing since sliced bread. And because the world is so small with this Internet, 
it's hard to figure out who works well together. So with us, we educate you on how to speak on the radio, how to work with people remotely, and how to find out how to be effective with the limited resources you have. If you're working in a nine-to-five for 25 years at the post office and you leave your job and you start your business, well, at the post office, they tell you who to see to get your uniform. They tell you what time to show up for work, and then they give you a route. When you have to do all that for yourself, it kind of gets you burnt out. And then after you spent all your 401K investing to get all the licenses and permits, you kind of in a hairy carry situation. But we're here to help you take your business to the next level, to get the right marketing, create a client list and a customer fan base, and then work that situation so you can generate uh, revenues for the generations to come. Mm. And you're right. I mean, it's so funny because you could have like you could have this one artist that comes in at nine and nine oh one they're the top thing and nine oh two they're down at the bottom again. <laughs> Correct. Correct. And and every record deal is just an opportunity and what people don't understand, even if you get in, that don't mean that you locked in. Anybody can get married. America has the highest divorce rate because nobody wants to go ride it out. If you start out on day one and then by day 10 is not the same, all bets are off. But sometimes you have to wait to day 11 when everything gets put together where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. so that, that's it. We we really just helping the people like yourself. Uh, we bring traffic and we tell people about your show. And then when we put it on the Twitter, the Facebook, the LinkedIn, they get you more money on your blog talk payments every month. <laughs> we, we, we all we, we we all work together, and that that's what it is. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand with this uh with this internet. Okay, you might have two people live on the line, and then you hang up the show. Come wake up tomorrow, it's a hundred thousand downloads, but the two people didn't hear a hundred thousand people listening to the show. So far as they're concerned, it was yeah. just a ping pong conversation. But it's a hundred thousand people that heard it, and then sometimes people mm-hmm. have to hear it a hundred thousand times to buy into it once. So, like I said, that's why we came back to show you, hey, we still here. We're in full force. I don't know who's under the sound of my voice. I don't know if there's anybody else under there, but I do know that there's people that's always listening and watching. Okay. So how have you been? How's everything been going with you? Oh, man, busy, busy, always busy, always moving forward, and always, always, always creating things. So I started my, my the radio station now. Praise God, praise God. That that's good. How, how's that? How's that working out for you? I started this weekend, and uh, you know, I'm just now starting it. We don't have any uh, dedicated programming, but I'm going to be calling um, one client to see if they want to go ahead and put their show on the station. So basically, what we have is a lot of open spots for the uh, for the you know for the four weeks, and we're going to be doing programming. So if anybody wants to have their 30-minute or one-hour show on um, Dream Chasers Network. All you got to do is contact me, and we can get it up there. Okay, that sounds like a plan. What's the best contact number for the people out there in radio land? <laughs> That's going to be uh, DreamChasersRadio at gmail.com. It's always the same. DreamChasersRadio at gmail.com. Now, where can people reach you? Okay. Uh, first off, my website, that's E-W-W-N-Radio-R-A-D-I-O.com. My direct line is 818-358-5722. 
And um, I'm on 365, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, I I don't take breaks. I'm I'm always working. Even when I'm in the hospital sick, I'm still working. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So tell me, okay, tell me a a quick thing, EWWNradio.com. How did yes. you get started, and what and, and what have you done to advance your radio station? Okay, well, uh, first off, I got started. Um, I was born uh, first. I was born by a C-section, so I had a fight to get into the world. When I was three months, I was carried into a radio station. My father had a first-class radio license when he was 16 back in 1965 when black people was getting hung. So he was reporting on that stuff as a kid. So um, with me coming up in radio, um, I've seen a lot of stuff. When hip-hop took off in 1985, I, my father had a TV show. So I was recording him when I was like two years old on camera. So as I was growing in the game and watching the industry grow, I got, got older and I, I just rebelled. You know, I was like, I don't want to do radio. You know, that's my father's stuff. I want to go out here and sell dope and just lose my mind. Then after a while, I, I, I woke up and then me and my father got back together. Then as we started uh, working together, I realized that uh, it's meant for me to take a different route. So then I started my own company. And after I started my own company, and what I did was uh, I used to have a lot of conference calls. I would find myself on the phone with anywhere from 10 to 15 people. And this was before they had the uh, the dime a minute. This is when we was paying for the minutes before they had unlimited phone service. So I would look at my bill, and my bill would be like three, $400. I said, oh, no, this is not going to work. I got to get a way to get everybody to come in to the one spot at one time, and we're going to have a conference call, and I could address everybody at once. And then after we had one conference call, then we had 10. Then everything, next thing you know, every week, everybody's showing up. And then people's like, hey, we're going to do this conference call. I want to bring these people. Then we had uh, Lenny Williams, Michelle Lay. We, uh, we started helping the artists that haven't been introduced to the new people. We started helping them get reintroduced back to the entertainment industry. Then when we worked on the Barack Obama 2008 viral marketing campaign, that put us on a map with the, uh, with the viral marketing. And from the viral marketing, mm-hmm. that put us on a map to the, the, to the TV. And from the TV, it all plugged in with the Internet. So uh, here it is 20 years later uh, after going through so many different um, – I've been to over 300 conventions. I lived in 40 out of 50 states. So after meeting all these people, I created the winning team to make sure that everybody is able to do business with people remotely. And me being the glue, you, you're, you're working with somebody. A person that's a $10,000 worth of finance is not working with somebody that don't have two pennies to rub together because it's a bad situation. It's like a shark and a minnow working together. People together that's going to fit. And at the same time, when the money don't come back right, I make sure that everybody is cool enough to keep doing the business so we can get the money back, right? Mm-hmm. Now tell us about TV. And you said TV, and did you say film? Yeah, well, um, yeah, we what we do is because we um, we deal with the Harry Fox Agency and a couple other publishing companies. We take artists' mm-hmm. music and we get them put into movies. And not only do we get them put into movies, we plug uh, aspiring actors and directors in with the right people. See, a lot of people think that you got to have the right content, but it's more so the connections you have. Your content can be uh, – you want to have grade A content. Now, bad audio going in is going to be bad audio coming out, but – 
your content might be next level, but with your connections, that's going to give your content more strength. Some people look at their logo and say, my logo is jacked up. The only reason why your logo is jacked up, you haven't built a brand around your logo. Your logo is all what you're making, and, and henceforth, when we deal with the movie studios, the directors, the baby directors, the upcoming movie video directors, everybody is looking for the next project that nobody else has, but it's got to be the right connection and the right energy to make the business go through. And that's where a lot of people fail because they don't have the connections or the credibility to go ahead and make the business go through. They got the best sound of project, but they don't have the best presentation, and then there's no relationship there to make it happen like it's supposed to happen. So, okay. So now how can people get in touch with you on this? Is that the same radio? Is that the same website, EWWNradio.com, or is that a different radio? Yes. Everything is under EWWNRadio.com, and because I have 300 people, I like to uh, not micromanage, but I like to know what's going on. And then once I disperse you to the right department, I I know the feeling, I know who you're dealing with, and out of 300 people, uh, you can't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing, but at the same time, the fuel injection system doesn't talk to the spark plugs because they will blow each other up. But they both run simultaneously to make the car move. So uh, mm-hmm. the, my direct number is uh, 818-358-5722. It's all about working with you. I feel that everybody that God sends to me is 98% of where they need to be. I bring them the 1% of wealth, teaching them how to get it, what to do with it, and how to keep it. And then the 1% of the spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, that's the, the negative spirits, that's the uneasy spirits, that's the whole spirit of it. The unforeseen act of God. You might have had a whole event planned for three months and spent twenty thousand dollars in advertising, and somebody forgets to check the fire extinguisher. The fire uh, marshal shows up on a surprise inspection, and the twenty thousand dollars goes out the window. Everybody want a refund, and you don't have the money. So henceforth, I'm preparing people for million dollars stock market situations now, as opposed to we get in the situation and we're unprepared when they happen. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Well, I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to be in touch. Definitely going to be in touch. I thank you for being on the show. Is there anything else you'd like to say to your, to the listeners today? Because we do have listeners. We do have listeners. Oh yeah. Well, I want I want to uh, if you if you don't mind, I want to say a, a, a send a special blessing out to your show, Heavenly Father, right now, Lord. Thank you for using me as a vessel, as an instrument to teach the mysteries and the ancient things of wisdom, Lord. Open up the doors for this show, Lord. This is the first. Embarkment on Stephanie. She's taking a leap of faith, Lord. Catch her in her arms, Lord. Lift her up, Lord. Cover her. Show her where to go. Keep her feet left and front of the right. Tunnel vision, blinders, Ursha, God, an unstoppable force so you can get your will done through this platform, Lord. Keep her in remembrance that everything that we're putting out there on this cloud will never leaves. So just like your word and your spirit, give her the right energy. And when she feels like she can't give her no more, give her, fill her up, Lord. Forgive her of her sins, forgive us all of our sins, forgive everybody under the sound of my voice today. Since anything we've done, did, or said has been displeasing in your sight, we forever give your name honor, praise, and glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen, amen, and amen. amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And we have your, uh, your, your website up on our page so people can go ahead and actually, you know, copy and paste. Yes, I don't know what that means. That means highlight it, press the right the right button on your on your mouse, copy it, and then paste it into your browser. Thank you again so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Hey, man, I'm right here anytime. Definitely call me after you get off there. I can really help you. 
I know you can, and I will do that. I have a couple more meetings today, but I will definitely do that. Thank you so much. I'm still listening. I'm right here. All right. Wow, what a wonderful, wonderful thing. And, I, you know, I'm just going to take real quick this caller here. Caller, thank you for calling in. How can we help you today? I'm married to the man known as Kid Kelly. I'm Mrs. Kid really? Kelly. Funny, when you get popular, this is what you have to deal with. And let's see, this caller here, is this Kid Kelly or is this someone else? I'm going to go ahead and say it's a wonderful time. We have a lot of people holding on today, but we're not going to take any more calls because Kid Kelly is definitely trying to get in. This <laughs> is another edition on Chain Chasers Radio with Yaya Diamond. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Hey, we got over 300 episodes that you can go back and listen to. All you have to do is go ahead and go to our web pages at dreamchasersradio.com and click on the podcast tablet. And if you want to listen to the radio, and even if you want to get your show on our programming, please go ahead and email us at dreamchasersradio at gmail.com, or you can go ahead and go to dreamchasersradio.com uh, dot com and click on the radio tab and take a listen to some of the uh, wonderful indie songs and people and people who are doing it and people who are talking about their craft and what they're doing um, to further themselves and to also, you know, be happy. I mean, you, you got a choice to make. We all do. We all have a choice that we have to make. And if your choice is a positive one, you will reap the positive benefits of it. Will all of it be in your liking? No. There will, there will be things that you don't like to do that will be a part of the one big picture that you're trying to accomplish. But don't let that give it. Don't let that stop you. Don't let that hinder you. Remember, nothing is going to stop you. And um, we're going to keep going. And until next time, which is going to be on the 31st, that's Thursday night, we will see you again soon. All right, guys, don't forget to watch always and never stop daring to be different. All right. And good night, Kate Kelly. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Kate Kelly, who does that? <laughs> mm-hmm.